Let us then this evening, as the Lord would enable us, return to the portion that we read together from the book of Leviticus, chapter 25. We may take as our text words that you'll find in verse 9. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. These words as the Spirit of the Lord would help us as we seek to meditate on his truth. The title we give our sermon this evening is The Gospel Trumpet Sounds Christ's Jubilee. The gospel trumpet sounds Christ's jubilee. In some ways, our sermon and the passage which we read is very complex. There were perhaps some of you, as we read through it, wondering just what the Lord was saying to his people as they entered the promised land, what it all means. But in other ways, it is very simple. It's very complex because it introduces us to the sabbatical cycle in the civil law that the Lord gave to his redeemed people. Every seventh year, the land was to rest. It was to be a year of fallowness so that the land would recover its fertility, and so that the people could manage the soil and their crops. God knows best how to manage his creation. He doesn't need man's help to tell him about the climate or to tell him about creation. If man would just obey what God says in his word, then how better off we all would be. So God demanded in the sabbatical cycle, that every seventh year would be fallow. It would be a time of rest. It would be a time of holiness. God still demands the seventh part. He still demands 24 hours a week to be fallow for worldly things and to be given over to holy pursuits. So we see that order running through God's creative ordinances. And the number seven is very important, as we, as we read partly here in some of these verses. The number seven is very important in Scripture. It's the holy number, it's the perfect number, and it had a very high place in the civil and ceremonial laws that were instituted by God. For example, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was seven days. After the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you would have the Feast of Pentecost, which was 49 days, seven times seven. There were seven feasts in the year. The seventh month had three of the most important feasts. So we can see that the number seven was very special. But in the text that we have and in the passage that we read, we can see that the Jubilee was extra special. Because it only happened once every 50 years, seven times seven. And then the 50th year was the year of Jubilee for perpetuity. The children of Israel were to mark this Jubilee in the promised land. 
It was only proclaimed once every 50 years. It was proclaimed by the sound of this trumpet. Whether this was a special trumpet, whether it was one of the trumpets that were told of in Numbers chapter 10, we're not sure, but it proclaimed something. And this is the very simple part. The complex part is understanding all the importances of the number seven and how that was represented in the civil and ceremonial laws. But if you find that too complex, to understand what is going on in this chapter, you only need to remember two words. This is about proclaiming liberty. And even the children, all the young people here, you might not remember all the things about the feasts and all the things about the sabbatical cycle, but you can remember two words. If your mums and dads ask you, what was the sermon about tonight? You can tell them it was about proclaiming liberty, proclaiming freedom. It was about a year of rest, a year of restitution, a year of release and a year of rejoicing. Jubilee comes from the word Jobel, the Hebrew word. It's the specific sound that the trumpet would make at this time of the year. But Jobel has a, a very interesting Hebrew root. It comes from the word to bring back, to restore. Very significant. So the gospel trumpet proclaiming liberty is being sounded this evening. In the gathering of those who profess to worship God, liberty is being proclaimed, freedom and gospel emancipation in Jesus Christ is freely and loudly sounded in the ears of dying sinners. You need liberty, sinner. We all need liberty. And liberty is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ is the Jubilee. He's not just the trumpet that sounded. He is the one that brings liberty. The gospel trumpet proclaiming liberty for your soul. Liberty from eternal death in hell, because Jesus Christ has fulfilled all the civil laws, all the ceremonial laws, all that was required. And so he proclaims the jubilee in his name. Are you listening? Are you listening for the sound of the trumpet of Christ's jubilee? I want to draw your attention to four things. There's many things in this complex chapter. I want to draw your attention to four things that this chapter brings to our attention. Firstly, liberty from debt. Liberty from debt. The year of Jubilee was no small thing. They had the sabbatical cycle every seventh year. That was special enough. But because this only happened every 50th year, it was a wonderful thing. It was keenly anticipated because it was God's most gracious sign of his 
rule, his fellowship, his communion with his chosen people. So he gives specific instructions. He doesn't leave it to the inventions of man. He gives specific instructions who it applied to, the circumstances that were involved, and how it was to be applied. It was an extensive, all-encompassing liberty. And in verses 13 to 15, in the year of this jubilee ye shall return every man unto his possession. Liberty from debt. Imagine if you are heavily in debt. As a Jew in the promised land, you're crushed under the loans you've taken out. And you hear the sound of the jubilee, the trumpet sounding, liberty from debt. The debt can no longer be called. So it must have been an amazing sound for those who were, who were crushed and burdened, who were, who were in poverty, who'd borrowed things, who'd borrowed money, and had subsequently found themselves wholly unable to repay the debt. The interest rates were mounting. They were heading for insolvency. They are crippled by debt. They are concerned about this lender, this creditor. How am I going to pay him? He's exacting more and more from me. We read of it every day in our papers, don't we? The foolish world maxing their credit cards. Debt here, debt here. Unsolicited calls from debt management companies. Debt hanging like a sword of judgment over the debtor and his family. And if you read yourselves this evening, when you go home, Deuteronomy chapter 15, just at the very beginning, expands this for us and it tells us that every creditor that lendeth ought to his neighbor shall release it. There's God's command. You release it in the year of Jubilee. No more debt. God's made provision for his impoverished, poor people. All the debtors, all those who are in hawk to others, no longer saddled with unpayable debt when they hear the sound of the jubilee trumpet. What grace. What grace of God to sound this trumpet. You see, sinner, you are in debt before God. And you have an unpayable, an unquantifiable level of debt before God. The debt is so great that even an eternity in hell will never repay the debt that you owe God's offended justice. And make no mistake, God will exact repayment. He cannot and will not wink at sin. But tonight, the jubilee trumpet sounds. The gospel of Jesus Christ to debt-ridden, burdened sinners sounds. Proclaiming liberty. Remember the two words, children. Proclaiming liberty. Why? Why? 
Because Jesus Christ has paid the debt. The debt that God demanded for sin has been discharged by him. The gospel trumpet sounding Christ's jubilee. It's a beautiful account we have in that wonderful letter to Philemon. And Paul is pleading for Anusiphorus. And he says to Philemon, if he owes you anything, put it on my account. I've paid the debt. And that's what Christ proclaims this evening. To all sinners, I have paid the debt. Every jot, every tittle. If you will hear the gospel trumpet and come to me, no more debt of sin. The balanced ledger is balanced. Nothing in the red. Liberty from debt. The second thing we see in this year of Jubilee is liberty from bondage. It wasn't just debt that those who had debt were released from, those who were in bondage would be liberated from their bondage. Slavery was unlawful, or was to be unlawful, once they passed into the promised land among Jews. They could, of course, enslave those of the heathen nations, but this was a redeemed people, and they were not to return to the slavery of Egypt. But if through poverty or if through personal folly a Jew could sell themselves into slavery, this was permitted. We have that, that beautiful account in Exodus chapter 21 of the one who was a bond slave and the the, the seventh sabbatical year came round, the year of Jubilee was sounded, and they could go free, but if they wanted to remain with their master, they could have their ear bored with an awl, representing that they were free, but that they were willing bond slaves to this loving master. Jehovah had redeemed these people, the children of Israel, to be a holy people, separate to him in a holy land. And yet they still had this inclination, this inclination to enslave themselves. We didn't have time to read it because it's 55 verses, a long chapter. But if you look yourselves, verses 39 to 44, it tells the people from God's lips what they are to do in the account, in the event that they are in bondage. They were to go free. They were to go free from bondage. Tribal distinction and separation into the tribes, tribal identity, was very important. So it could be the case that you were from the tribe of Zebulun and you had sold yourself into bondage and that master was from the tribe of Judah. He might have a dislike for the people of Zebulun. And so his treatment of you could be quite harsh. 
He could be very oppressive and increase the yoke of bondage depending on which tribe you belong to. But in verse 10, the end of verse 10, we're told what is to happen when the jubilee trumpet is sounded. Ye shall return every man unto his family. He's to go back home, in other words. He may have been in a far part of the promised land, serving with an oppressive taskmaster. The year of jubilee is sounded, and he is to go back to his family. He is to be repatriated. He is to be liberated and return back home. Imagine the joy. Imagine the joy if you are that bond slave and you're with a really harsh master. And it's a really, really hard servitude that you're under. And you're counting down the years, 48, 49 And you hear the jubilee trumpet. And you know that you can go back home. Free. And this sinner, if you are an unconverted sinner this evening, you have willingly sold yourself into the most oppressive bondage under the most oppressive taskmaster imaginable. You are enslaved to Satan himself. And you know the worst tyranny of all is that the sinner has the illusion that they are free to do as they please. Oh, there's nothing, no greater bondage than thinking that you're free. Again, we see it in our society. It should make us weep like Jeremiah. I'm free to do with my body. I'm free to do this. You're not. You're in bondage. And you need the liberation of the gospel jubilee. And in God's grace, he sounds it every time the gospel is preached. He sounds liberty from bondage. He proclaims liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. We sang that in Psalm 146. He sets the prisoners Free, do you remember yourself, dear Christian? Do you remember when the strong chains bound you to the world and you thought you were free? And Christ came in jubilee, proclaiming liberty, and broke the chains and set you free. What freedom? Can you hear the gospel trumpet this evening? Dear lost sinner. Christ calling in his gospel. I have come to liberate you from your bondage. Thirdly, we see liberty from labor, liberty from debt, liberty from bondage, liberty from labor. The children of Israel were heading into the promised land. And they were heading into a land that was flowing with milk and with honey. But it was not a land of idleness. It was not a land where they would relax and pamper themselves. 
It was a land where they had to work very hard. The first thing that they had to do when they crossed over the Jordan was they had to drive the heathen out. They spent years with Joshua battling against the indigenous Perizzites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Canaanites, driving them out. And then once they had driven the heathen out, then they had to work the land. They had to diligently apply themselves, hard work in the sweat of their brows. We know that when God created Adam, Adam was created to be a tender of the soil. He was a gardener. And we know that through sin, thorns and briars and thistles entered, and now working the land is back, breaking labor. Anyone who is a croft, anyone who is an allotment or a vegetable plot will tell you it's back-breaking labor to keep it free. We have to diligently and laboriously keep in tune with the cycle of God's creative order. We have to plow, we have to fertilize, we have to plant, we have to tend, we have to harvest, we have to reap. But anyone who has land will also tell you that our foolish world ignores that if you overwork the land, you will drain it of all nutrients. It will become unproductive. So God, as we read at the beginning of this chapter, in his perfect wisdom, gave command that the seventh year would be a fallow year, a year of rest. And so too the Jubilee, the 50th year, would also be a year of rest, a year from back-breaking labor. There we have it in verse 11. A Jubilee shall that 50th year be unto you. Ye shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. They weren't even to reap the things which grew themselves. God gives this for the good of the land, for botanical reasons, but for the good of man, for physical and for spiritual reasons, as we shall see next. It sounds contradictory. It's, it sounds a bit counterintuitive. God commands us to work, to work the land diligently, laboriously, to provide food for ourselves. And then every seventh year, he tells us not to work. And so this raised a legitimate query in the minds of the people. In verse 20, and if ye shall say, what shall we eat the seventh year? Behold, we shall not sow nor gather in our increase. The legitimate question, they will say, is, well, what are we going to eat? If we have to cease from our labor, if the year of Jubilee proclaims liberty from labor, how are we going to eat? Well, God gives the answer. Verse 21, I will command the blessing upon you. In the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. What does God tell his people? He says, all your labor will only provide food for a year. But look at the superabundance that I will provide. I'll provide three times as much. 
you obediently rest from your labors, and I will provide all your need, everything that is needed, not just once, not just twice, but three times the amount. What a gracious God to provide far more than they could provide for themselves. There's no scarcity in God's provision. There's no lack in God's provision. Even though they were not laboring for themselves, God's provision was super abounding. And that's the liberty that's proclaimed to the sinner. Doesn't matter what work you're trying to do, sinner. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot change your life. You cannot do anything through the works of your hands that is acceptable to God. All your religious efforts, all your kindnesses, all your charitable works, all your moral uprightness, all the labors that you're trying to labor to please God avails nothing. And the gospel trumpet sounds and says, you're liberated from it because Christ has worked it all. He has performed everything that is necessary for your salvation. And by faith, you lean the weight of your salvation on his finished work. That's the jubilee. The jubilee trumpet, a superabounding provision in Jesus Christ. No lack, no loopholes, no shortfalls, the fullest of full, free salvation. You see, what man couldn't provide, God provided. God satisfied God. Christ the second person satisfied the divine justice of the Father. So you must stop working. You must stop thinking that you can do anything to please God. There is only one in whom he is well pleased. And he is well pleased in Jesus Christ. Lay hold on his finished work by faith. Lay hold on the provision that he has made by faith. And as, ma as one man says, if you cannot come to Christ in faith, then come to Christ pleading for faith. That's the great liberty of the gospel jubilee. We see fourthly and finally, liberty from debt, liberty from bondage, liberty from labor, and liberty to rest. Now we get to the rest. Liberty to rest. But this rest had a purpose. Again, it wasn't idleness. It wasn't self-indulgence. It wasn't lethargy, we are told in verse 12. It shall be holy unto you. It was a holy year, the year of Jubilee. It was a holy rest and an act of rest. In the year of Jubilee, the people were to give themselves over to worship and praise in thankfulness to God. They were to sanctify themselves. They were to purify themselves. It was to be a year of worshipful rejoicing. 
the great Jehovah who had done great things for them in turning back the bondage of Egypt. But we might ask, how could they rest in peace? How could they enjoy reconciliation and liberty from God after being in debt, after being in bondage, after being in exhausting labor? You, you know yourselves, you can't rest if you're worried, if you're anxious, sleep is taken from you, you cannot find rest. So where does this rest come from? Well, we're told in our text where it comes from. In the day of atonement, shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. You he see, here's the vital component of the jubilee. The jubilee was only to be sounded after atonement had been made. After Aaron the high priest had completed the sacrifices commanded by God on the day of atonement, the most important day, the most important day in the sacrificial system. And that's what atonement means. Atonement means recovery. It means restoration. It means reconciliation. You recall briefly what happened on the day of atonement, the, the two goats, one was sacrificed, the, the other was, was led away after the high priest had leaned heavily upon the head of the goat, imputing the sins of all the people, and it was led away by a fit man, fit man into a far and distant country. You can read that yourselves in Leviticus 16. So the atonement legitimized the sound of the trumpet. The atonement legitimized liberation from debt, liberation from bondage, liberation from labor. You see, everything must be in harmony with God's attributes. And the day of atonement satisfied all the attributes of God, his justice and his holiness, his righteousness and his goodness. Beautiful picture, isn't it? The day of atonement. The high priest would divest his garments of beauty and he would enter in with the blood, dressed only in his linen undergarments, and he would be there alone. And the people would wait in the outer courts. Has the sacrifice been accepted? How greatly blessed the people are, the joyful sound that know. Now, whether that's the sound of the jubilee trumpet or whether it's the, the sound of the bells on the bottom of the high priestly garments as he puts them back on and comes back into the tabernacle of the congregation, we're not sure. Commentators are divided. In one way, it's immaterial. What a joyful sound it must have been whether it was the trumpet sounding the jubilee or whether it was the bells on the edge of the garments indicating that the atoning sacrifice has been accepted for another year and the jubilee trumpet is sounded. How joyous. True rest. Because God is satisfied. 
And that's the key to gospel liberty. You must be resting on the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And those of you who are Christ, those of you who know what it is to be plucked as brands from the burning, you know the peace that you have knowing that your sins are forgiven. Oh, you lament how often you sin and you repent and you lament how little you repent, but you still have that rest. You still have that peace that the troubled sinner can never have. Are you troubled this evening? You troubled by your conscience? Are you troubled by your sins? Do you wonder why the Christian can remain so certain in times of sore providences and afflictions? Well, it's only because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross of Christ I cling. Are you clinging hard to the cross of Christ? Because if you're not, there is no rest in this life and there is no rest in the next. Rest in peace makes me shudder. There's no rest, no peace, saith the Lord unto the wicked. For the unsaved sinner this evening, your rest is found at Calvary, where Christ cried, it is finished. Liberty from death, liberty from bondage, liberty from your labors, liberty to rest in me. Are you resting under the blood of Jesus Christ? Because that is what is freely offered in the gospel of the Christ's Jubilee. We saw this morning that one of Abraham's Christian duties was to listen. The duty of the Christian to listen, the duty of everyone who comes under the sound of the gospel to listen. So we asked, have, have you listened? From the very youngest, to the children among us, to the very oldest, have you been listening? Because there is nothing more insulting to Christ than having the freedom and liberty of gospel salvation preached and your mind is somewhere else. And remember, all things are naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The gospel trumpet of Christ's jubilee proclaims liberty from your sins, liberty from hell. Liberty from eternal death. Liberty from endless torment. Liberty from the guilt. Bondage to Satan. Will you hear? Because those of you and those of us who have heard that gospel trumpet will know only too well how often you sat under the sound of the gospel with stops in your ears. 
But if by God's grace you can say, yes, I have held that trumpet, and by God's grace I am redeemed, are you looking forward to the next time you'll hear the trumpet? When you'll hear the last trumpet? When in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, the trumpet shall sound and Jesus himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Are you looking forward to that day? Because then so shall you ever be with the Lord. Eternal rest because of what Christ has done for you. But if you are an unsaved sinner this evening, Oh, you will dread that last trumpet. You will call on the mountains to fall on you, the rocks to hide on you, to hide you. And it need not be so. We conclude with a solemn truth. For those of you who have heard the gospel and who are listening online and have heard the gospel hundreds of times, there were some in Israel who would have lived and died never hearing the gospel trumpet. So every 50 years. Some of them may never have heard it. How many times have you heard? How many times have you been offered Jesus Christ in the gospel? You've heard it again this evening. What will your response be? To carry on in bondage or to embrace Jesus Christ as he has freely offered to you, free, proclaiming liberty. May the Lord be pleased to bless his word to us. Let us pray. O Lord, we pray that thou might be about thy blessed work in seeking and saving them that are lost, in going out as the good shepherd to find the lost sheep, to lift them on thy shoulders and to return them to the sheepfold. May those this night who have been given ears to hear the sound of the jubilee, give thanks unto thee that their salvation rests only upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. And may thou be pleased to enlarge the church for the glory of Christ in bringing sinners to thyself Make us fervent in prayer for days of revival and quickening when we would see men and women once again weeping under the sound of Christ's jubilee gospel, weeping for their sins, weeping because they know they are heading to a lost eternity and weeping tears of joy because they see Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Forgive all that was said amiss and bless thine own word to us.
go before us in the week upon which we have just entered. Be our sure portion and pardon our iniquities. For Jesus' sake, amen.